Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Good morning. It's so welcome to be with you guys. So welcome to be with you guys. So great to be with you guys. It's, it's been a great just time to be here and to get away and to come out to Colorado and be with you. Uh, my wife and I were from Knoxville, Tennessee. We've been there 22 years now. And so uh, we actually spent seven years in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And that was such a blessing to be able to do that. So we came to Colorado a lot on conferences and different things and haven't been to Colorado in a long time and are just blessed to be here. We are honored to be here. We're humbled to be here. And it's great to be with the family of God in Aurora. So what a blessing. And again, I just want to say too about your staff. Uh, you guys have the greatest staff in the world. You probably know that, but we have been so pampered and so well taken care of and so ministered to and so blessed. And uh, you guys need to be proud of your staff. They're, they're amazing. Um, yeah, you can clap for them. And also, I just want to say again, uh, you know, we have a radio station as well in Knoxville and your pastor, Pastor Ed, is on our radio station. So he's not only beamed throughout Colorado, he's beamed throughout Knoxville, Tennessee as well. So it's a privilege to have him there. You have blessing. And uh, what a great teacher you guys have. And um, it's interesting, I, um, my, my radio guy was listening to him and, hey, you've got to hear this teaching by Pastor Ed, you need whatever it's like. I think maybe he likes your pastor better than he does me. And that may be an issue that I have to deal with. But anyway... Praise the Lord. It's great to be here with you guys. So excited. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 2 Kings chapter 18. And um, while you're going to 2 Kings 18, I'm going to go to 2 Chronicles 32. Now, don't be confused by that. I'm going to read the same passage from a different place. I want you to stay in 2 Kings so we're not moving around a lot. But I want to read to you the same account in uh, 2 Chronicles 32. And so we have the full picture. And then we'll, end, we'll spend the rest of our time in 2 Kings chapter 18. But notice it says this, or again, listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles. Uh, it says, After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. And he encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water of the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs of the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside. Also he repaired the millow in the city of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the arm of the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to look at spiritual battle today, God, and to see how you helped Hezekiah in the spiritual battle to be victorious. And God, many of us in this room right now are either going into a spiritual battle, in the midst of a spiritual battle, or coming out of a spiritual battle. 
and we need to be equipped. We need to know how to fight. And Lord, you've shown us in your word how to do that in many different places. But I pray you would use this place today to minister to us and to speak to us, Lord, about having victory in the battle when it comes to those spiritual battles. So God, open up your word to us. I pray you would speak to us. I pray you would teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now again, every believer will one day face spiritual battles. And if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. You're already facing spiritual battles or you've been in a spiritual battle or you're just coming out of one. Either way, the reality is it will happen on a regular basis throughout your Christian life, which means we had better be prepared. And while we see various aspects of spiritual battle today, preparation is probably the most important one that we're gonna focus on. You know, as kids, we play hide-and-go-seek, and you know the catchphrase from hide-and-go-seek, ready or not, here I come, right? That's how the enemy is in the believer's life. Ready or not, here I come. And, and, and we should not be found unready. We should be found ready for the battle. And again, if you're not prepared for the battle, then you can see some of the principles we're going to look at today and begin them now, because the battle is on its way. Ready or not, here I come, and we need to be ready for it. And so that's why today I want to look at spiritual battle, try to give some very practical steps uh, into having victory in the midst of it. And in the passage, we'll see that God has not only given us a great model for physical battle in Hezekiah's day, but a great model for spiritual battle in ours. Now we're going to look at two main things that Hezekiah did that led to his ultimate victory in the battle, and then a third thing that God did as a result. Note this, the first thing we're going to see is personal preparation. And that has to come first if we're going to be ready when the battle comes. The second thing is body participation, which is essential for support in the battle. And then the third major aspect we'll see is divine revelation or intervention, which is the result of putting these other two in place. Now before we jump in, we need to set the stage. Hezekiah was a godly king that loved the Lord and trusted in his protection, but he still knew that the battle was coming and he needed to be prepared. You see, Assyria was now taking over the entire region, conquering all the surrounding cities and nations. And it didn't take long to figure out, they're coming our way and we better be ready. And so it's important to note that although we may be doing everything right and walking with the Lord, we will still face the battle. You may be saying, look, why would I be worried about battle? Because I'm walking with God. Well, you know, even walking with God the right way, the battle is going to be there. As a matter of fact, I'm sure you found by now that the more you walk with the Lord, the greater the battle oftentimes is. Why is that? Because you're a threat to the enemy. You serve the king of the universe. You hold in your knowledge and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to share with someone how they can have eternal life. That's power, my friend. And God has given that to you as a believer. Satan knows that. He wants to shut you up. He wants to stop you up. He wants to sidetrack you. He wants to do all these things to keep you from being effective because he knows he's already lost your soul. The least he can do now is back you down. And so he'll bring spiritual battle in to try to do that, but you need to be ready for it to face it head on. Uh, and, and you will be, as, as I said, a greater th threat to the enemy, and hence you'll get the greater attack. Now, because of this, as I mentioned, he will try to sidetrack us and paralyze us and render us useless. Again, he can't get our soul back. That's been given to the Lord. But he can render the believer paralyzed. And we're going to see that he tries to do that with Hezekiah by bringing fear into his life and fear into his heart. And maybe this morning you have fear. 
You have fear about, am I going to save my marriage? Are my kids ever going to come back to the Lord? What's going to happen in my job situation? You know, all these things that maybe the enemy can bring in. And he's going to be shouting to you and saying these things in your heart that can bring fear. You need to be ready for it. And so again, we're going to look at that and see how to be uh, victorious in it. Um, being prepared for the battle, I think, as I said, is probably the most important of all these aspects. Several centuries ago, one of the Japanese emperors commissioned a famous artist to paint him a fabulous bird for his palace. First, a number of months passed, and then several years passed, and still no painting was brought to the palace. Finally, the exasperated emperor went himself to the artist's home and demanded an explanation. And right there at that very moment, the artist pulled out a blank canvas, set it on the easel, and in less than an hour completed what would become one of the nation's greatest masterpieces. And when the emperor saw how quickly he did it, he asked the reason for, for the long delay. He said, why did you take so long when you did it so quickly? At that point, the artist showed him ar armloads of drawings of feathers, wings, heads, and feet that had been collected over the years. And he explained that all the research in advance was necessary to produce the masterpiece that would come at the end. And what that means is we not only have to be prepared for battle when it comes, storing up everything that God gives us for the battle, but that God might make you the masterpiece that he intends you to be by the time he's done. And indeed, he's working on a masterpiece. So let's just jump in again. What is the first aspect we look at here? Personal preparation. Look at verse 17 of 2 Kings 18. It says, Then the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Reb Zeres, and the Reb Shekah from Lachish, with a great army against Jerusalem, to King Hezekiah. And they went up and they came to Jerusalem. And when they had come, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the Fuller's Field. Now notice, first of all, how did Hezekiah prepare for the coming of the battle? And this is where you'll need to use your memory of what I read to you in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Because the first couple we're going to come to come out of that. And that's why I wanted to read that to lay this foundation. But the first thing that Hezekiah did that it tells us in 2 Chronicles 32 is when he heard that the battle was coming, he dug daily and deeply into the rock in order to create an avenue for a continuous stream of running water or what they called in that day living water to enter the city. And without this, they would have dried up and died very quickly. And again, that is exactly the first thing that we as Christians need to do when it comes to preparing for the spiritual battle. And that is we're to make sure we're digging daily and diligently and deeply into our rock, Jesus, who is the word of God. And by so doing, we will be creating an avenue for that living stream of water to be unimpeded coming into our life when the battle comes. You see, that's one of the most important things that we can have. The Word of God in prayer, daily, digging into the Word, allowing that flow of the Holy Spirit to come in. Because then when the battle comes, you have a resource to draw from. Otherwise, we would dry up spiritually. And note this, we really would have no chance of being victorious in the battle if we don't first make sure we have what we need for the battle. And that is timing God's Word and the Spirit of God flowing into our lives so that we're ready when the battle comes. And we will see because Hezekiah had done this, by the time the Assyrian army arrived, he was ready for the battle. He was prepared for the battle and he withstood the battle and had great victory in it as we're going to see by the end of today. Now the question right now that I first want to ask you this morning is, are you ready for the battle? Have you prepared? 
Because if you've not been preparing, I want to make a plea to you this morning. Start preparing. Start digging into the Word of God, digging into your rock, if you will, letting that life-flowing living water come into your life, uh, the daily digging into the Word. And if you're not daily digging into the Word, then uh, the next question might be that you would have is, where do I begin and how do I do this? Well, the most important place for a new believer is somewhere easier to understand. Uh, like the book of John might be a great place to start. You learn of God's love and you begin to grow in the Lord. But after you've spent any length of time in the things of the Lord, I suggest you start at both ends like the men of Hezekiah did. Mark, what do you mean? Well, remember when they dug the tunnel, and some of you have been to Hezekiah's tunnel. Some of you have been through Hezekiah's tunnel because I know you go to Israel every year. The way the tunnel they did it was amazing. This tunnel was over 1,700 feet long. And so what Hezekiah did, he had one group of men start on one side, he had another group of men start on the other side, and they dug through the rock until they came to the middle. Truly a quite amazing feat that they did. But again, that I believe is the key when it comes to us growing and being well-rounded and a mature believer when it comes to our walk with the Lord. And that is we need to start, start digging on both ends. You know, start digging in the Old Testament, heading this way. Start digging in the New Testament, heading this way. And when we do that, we're going to find that we meet somewhere in the middle just like they did. And we're going to find ourselves with a fullness and a balance of the Word of God. And as a believer, as we find that both parts of it mean a lot to us. And you see, we need the full counsel of God's Word to fully understand God's Word. We need the whole Bible to be a whole Christian. And so you're going to need both. And believe me, in the days in which we live right now, guys, you need to not only be ready for battle, you need to be prepared with the Word of God for battle. Because we're facing a true battle in our nation, and it's not going to get any better unless the Lord sends revival, which we need to be praying for, right? But I found over the years, for those who just read parts of the Bible, but not all of it, they're often confused on many things. They're not well-rounded, and especially when it comes to uh, prophetic things. And so the only way you're going to be well-rounded is digging from both ends and finding that middle ground as God matures you and grows you and makes you complete in that flow of water into your life. And you might say, but I have trouble reading from the Bible on both ends. I simply don't understand it. It's okay. Read where you do understand, but then start reading in places where you don't understand and God will give you understanding. As you have good teaching from your pastor, as you read the Word of God, you're going to get greater and greater understanding because God has promised the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And so as you're taught by the Holy Spirit, you're going to understand the Word of God. You know, it's interesting. Um, when babies would have trouble nursing in biblical days, they would take a little bit of the mother's milk and put it in the roof of their mouth. Just take their finger and rub it in the roof of their mouth. And they'd give them a taste for it. And if they got a taste for it, they desired it and wanted more and more of it. And I've found that if you don't have a hunger for God's Word and you say, you know what, I know the Lord and I read the Bible, but I don't have the hunger that I used to have or I don't have the hunger for the Word of God that I desire to have, just rub a little bit more in the roof of your mouth. Start reading the pure milk of God's Word and let God minister to you through that. Start digging into it. Set aside time and dig into the Word. And I, I found, you know, the, it's interesting. I find that the more I do something, the more I like it. And the more I get into the Word of God, the more I like it. And I promise you this, the more you get into the Word of God, the more you dig into the rock, the more you're going to be digging it. And so that's the, the answer. Get in the Word and let it soak in. Now, the second thing that he did to prepare for the battle, we also saw in Second Chronicles chapter 32 as well, and note this, this is just as important. After fortifying the current wall of the city, 
he built a second wall around the spring, that is the Gihon spring, that fed the city so the enemy couldn't redirect it or block it up. Which again, is what they would do in that day. They would come in and try to find where your source of water was, starve you out, take away your water supply, and then the siege would end sooner. They would redirect the water if they could, away from you and down to their troops. And if they couldn't redirect the water, then what they would do is they would block the water up completely. And that is exactly what Satan wants to do with you in your time in the Word and digging in the rock. He wants to block it up so you don't get it at all. And he will try everything he can to redirect your time in the Word. And if he can't redirect your time in the Word to some other activity or something else, he'll try to stop it up completely. And the danger is, as he redirects that water flow into our life, it does eventually become blocked up. And I've seen believers that are spending very little time in the Word anymore because the enemy has been able to get them sidetracked and he's been able to get them blocked up, if you will. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I have found that it seems like every time that I try to get in the Word, not every time, but oftentimes, and especially if I did it just like, you know, too much later in the day, then everything happens. Have you noticed that? You try to read the Word and everybody calls you. People you haven't known for like 20 years. Hey, I just saw you on Facebook or whatever. I don't know. And people begin to call and things begin to happen. And, and the enemy starts redirecting that time and kind of pulling you in another direction. And again, because of that, you have to make up your mind. Look, I need to build a wall around this. I need to do something to protect it. And I don't know what your wall is you need to build around it, but whatever that wall is, build around it so the enemy can't get in and interfere. Now I'll suggest something to you. I don't want you to get legalistic about this because again, you can read the Word of God at any, any time. As a matter of fact, we should be reading the Word of God throughout the day. The Bible says to meditate on God, meditate on His Word. And so to be in the Word of God throughout the day is a wonderful thing and, and something that should be incorporated into our lives. But I have found that if I set aside the morning time, before the busyness really gets started, that's the most effective time for me. And I really believe God has given us a picture of that, even in the Old Testament with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. If you remember, they came out of Egypt and they were there in the wilderness and the Lord said this, this to them, go out in the morning and do what? Gather the manna and bring the manna in. And if you don't get the manna by a certain amount of time and they didn't gather by a certain amount of time, what happened to the manna? It melted away. And I found that to be exactly what happens in my life. If I don't get the manna while I have no interruptions and can focus in on the Word of God, if I don't build my wall around that Gihon spring so that flow can still keep coming into my life, it's gone. The heat of the day, the phone starts ringing, meetings start happening, uh, people start coming by. And so it's something that gets stolen away. So build that wall around your time as you're digging into the rock. The next thing we need to note here is when and where the attack came. This is very interesting to me. Notice it says here at the end of verse 17, and the attack came, it says, at the upper pool, this is the last part of verse 17, from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. That's where the Reb Shekha and all of his men gathered. And why do I find this significant that it was at the fuller's field? A little bit of history about fuller's. Fullers were ancient launderers, basically, who would take the sheep wool and other materials and use special soaps and cleansers to get rid of all the dirt and impurities that were on them. That was phase one, clean off all the dirt, all the impurities, everything out of the sheep's wool, as well as other materials they would work on. And then once they had done that, they would stomp the wool and beat the wool so that it would fluff up and so that it would be 
more attuned for use, a thickening, if you will. So when they used it for materials, it would be more beautiful and, and be more usable. And this explains why the Fuller's Field was near the Gihon Spring, because it was near the water supply. Isn't that interesting? The attack came at the place of cleansing, purifying, fluffing, thickening, and beautifying. And that is the exact same reason God allows attacks in our lives. Now note this, you might be saying, God, why is this happening to me? Why am I under attack right now? I thought you loved me. And if you loved me, you wouldn't let this happen. Listen, Christian, I want to challenge you and rechange your mindset if that's how you're thinking. It's not, God, why could you let this happen if you love me? That's the reason it's happening. It is because he loves you. And he's using the fuller's spiritual soap to purify, to cleanse, to, f to fluff you up. I want to fluff you up. <laughs> and to thicken you up so that you'd be more beautiful for the use of the Lord. And guys, listen, we talk about the spiritual battle. One of the reasons you have spiritual battle is not just so you can go through it, but so also that you might grow in it and be more useful to the Lord. Listen, it's interesting to me that not only does he beautify, was the beautified uh, wool taking place during the fullest process, and we as believers are beautified through this spiritual battle, there was a thickening that took place as well. And why is that significant? Listen, we need to be tougher and thicker when it comes to spiritual battle when the days we're heading into. And God will allow the spiritual battle you're in to prepare you for the next spiritual battle and the next spiritual battle and the next spiritual battle and get you stronger and stronger and stronger. Again, it's been said, we as believers need to have the heart of a child and the skin of a rhino. And I think we're going to need that more and more as we head into the days ahead of us. It's interesting, even as Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors, God in like manner is making our very being a thing of beauty for his purpose and his glory. Think about that. It's not just some coat that God's putting on you. He's making you the coat of many colors. He's purifying you and making you usable for him and for the people of the world around you. It's a beautiful thing the Lord is doing. Never lose sight of the fact that the spiritual battles, even when you get stomped on and beat, because the beating and the stomping is where you get fluffed up and where you thicken up. And it may not be as fun, but it's making you beautiful for the Lord and usable for his kingdom. God allowed Joseph to be wrongfully thrown in jail and abused to prepare him to lead Egypt. God had David run and hide in the hot empty caves for many years to prepare him to be king of Israel. And God allowed his own son to be physically beaten and hung on a cross that he might save the world. Hence, we shouldn't be surprised when God allows the Reb Shekah to hurl threats and fear our way. It's simply God's way to cleanse and beautify and, and purify and toughen us. Trust the Lord. And so again, look at verse 18. And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. And then the Reb Shekah said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria. What confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they're mere words. In whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Look, you're trusting in the staff of this broken reed Egypt on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. Again, this was an ally of Israel in that day. Egypt was. 
And his point was, it would be just like leaning on a broken reed and it would pierce into your hand. It's only going to cause you more pain if you try to depend on Egypt. They're not going to do you any good. We're going to defeat you and we're going to defeat Egypt. And note this, the enemy wants to strike fear in your heart and let you believe you have no chance and no hope. You're never going to see that marriage restored, as we said. You'll never see those kids come back here. This is never going to work. He's got you in fear. Don't listen to him. And again, this is the message that Hezekiah gives to his servants, as we'll see. Look at verse 22. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? And said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Again, he was, Hezekiah had gotten rid of all the false altars, but he took it as getting rid of God's. He was, again, misled and lying about this. Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I'll give you 2,000 horses, if you're able, to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. And note, Satan is always a liar. The Lord hadn't sent him at all. And Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna, and Joah, the son of the Reb Shekah, said, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. And do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. They didn't want them to be afraid as well. But the Reb Shekah said to them, has my master sent me to your master? And to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall, who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Then the Reb Shekha stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present and come out to me, and every one of you will eat from his own vine and every one from his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Again, don't listen to this man who's telling you to trust in God. Instead, do what I say, and it will go better for you. Again, the voice of the enemy. Don't trust God. Don't listen to the promises of God. God's not going to come through for you, but Satan is a liar. And so we're going to see that Hezekiah does exactly what needs to be done to deal with this and what we need to do as well. Look again at verse 36. As you move forward, it says, but the people held their peace and answered him not a word. By the way, I think that's a wise thing to do when the enemy attacks. You don't need to be having a big verbal fight with the enemy. Take it to the Lord. Say, God, you rebuke the enemy. You deal with him in my life. You silence the enemy. You're the one that will fight the battle. God says the battle belongs to him. How about we let him do it, right? And so don't, the king said to him, don't answer him. And I love that. I think that's a wise word for us. When the enemy starts messing with your mind, don't answer him. Just go to the Lord. God, you deal with him and you, you, you set him straight. He says, for the king's commandment was do not answer him. And then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and they told him the words of the Reb Shekah. Again, tearing the clothes, a sign of great desperation and, 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 and tragedy, if you will. 
Now chapter 19, notice what he says here. The next thing that Hezekiah does here, when this happens, he prepared for the battle, he was ready, the water flow was coming in, the wall was built around that supply of water, the attack comes, the, the enemy's threatening all these things, and this was a great enemy that had done this to all these other nations. So true fear was legitimate here. And look at verse 1 and 19. And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes and he covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. What a wise man. Guys, when the attack comes, it's time to pray. Run into the house of the Lord. You can pray at home, you can pray at church, but you need to be running into the presence of the Lord and saying, God, I'm ready, I'm prepared. You promised you would be my provider and protector, and here comes the attack. I ask now that you would fight the battle. Show me what to do. But notice he not only runs to the Lord, notice the next thing he does, he runs to the word of God, and he gets support from those around him. Look at verse two. Then he sent to Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests. So a good little group of people here, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. Isaiah, being the prophet of God, brought the word of God. So he prays, and he seeks out the word of God, but then this brings us to the next major segment that you need for spiritual battle today, and that is body participation. And what do I mean by that? Notice this. Because he was plugged into the body, because he was connected in fellowship with the body, when the attack came, he had someone to go to for counsel and prayer. Don't be a lone ranger believer. Don't be a loner. Find those people you can have fellowship with. Find people you can share your heart with because the attack will come. And if you're not a part of the body, you're going to be alone. You're not going to have someone there to help you to pray. You're not going to have someone there that can read you the word or speak the word of God into your life in addition to what you're doing. Because oftentimes I find when the battle's happening to me, I read the word and I wonder, is that from you, God, or am I thinking that because the battle's raging? And then a brother in the Lord says, listen, what, what God has for you. There's a verse I want to share with you. It's because the fellowship is there. And I've seen believers, sadly, who don't have that fellowship, and then when the attack comes, they're all alone. Don't find yourself as one of those. Make sure you're a part of body participation, running to the Lord, running to God's people, and letting them strengthen you, if you will, so you can walk this walk. And notice it says here, notice what happens in verse 4. It may be the Lord your God will hear all the words of the Reb Shekha, who his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to him, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you heard, which the, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. By the way, when you're attacked by the enemy, he's attacking the Lord. Remember when God knocked Saul off of his high horse, so to speak, and he said, You know what? Who are you attacking? You're attacking my people. He said, that means you're attacking me. So when the enemy attacks you, he's attacking the Lord. And you can run to the Lord and say, Lord, the enemy's attacking you. Fight him, <laughs> right? He says, he's blasphemed me. And so I love that because we need to keep that in mind. Surely I'll send a spirit upon him. And he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. And so now again, he gets... Running to God again, he's in desperation. God, what do we do? He's, he's sought out the counsel. He's gotten in prayer. He's heard the word of God. And notice verse 15, he says this, and this is the next thing I want you to note in spiritual battle. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and he said, O Lord God of Israel, 
the one who dwells between the cherubim. You are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. And here's the next thing you need to note when it comes to spiritual battle, remember who your God is. He is the God of the universe. He created the heavens and the earth with simply a word from his throne. And if he can do that, he can certainly handle your spiritual battle. And he can certainly handle your problem. But what we often do and what the enemy wants us to do is focus on the problem. Make the problem bigger than the problem is. And then God seems smaller. But when we get our eyes back on the fact that he's the one that dwells between the cherubim and is seated in the heavenlies, what happens? Now our problem gets smaller and smaller in the light of his glory and in the light of his power. And that brings us to the third and last major point of today. And that is divine revelation and intervention. You see, if you're prepared and you're involved, God is going to intervene. Look at verse 32. Thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. And I love this, nor shoot an, I have that underlined, an arrow there. There were 185,000 troops surrounding the city. And God says, no, there's not even going to be like some goofball, you know, bloop, or whatever. He says, not one. Not one arrow is coming in because you trusted me and you were prepared and you turned your eyes to me. I will be your defense. Nor will they come before it with the shield, nor will they build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. That is, I'll do it because of the promises to your people, but note this, and I love this, and believer, hold on to this when you pray, I will do this for my sake. What a great way to pray in the spiritual battle, and what a great way to pray in everything you're facing in your life this morning, and that is simply this. Go to the Lord and say, God, for your name's sake, I'm your servant, I'm doing your work. I've chosen to follow you, and don't do this for me, although I want you to do it for me. For your name's sake, do this. And God will answer that prayer. For his name's sake, he will move on your behalf. And notice what happens. Look at the result here. Look at verse 35. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 in one night. What kind of angels that, right? And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the temple of Nishroch, his god, that his sons Adremelech and Sherezer struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Ezradon, his son, reigned in his place. God struck the enemy down when Hezekiah put his trust in the Lord. I want to encourage you, believer, as we finish today. Are you prepared? Get prepared. The battle's coming. Dig into the rock. Make an avenue for the flow of God's water. Build a wall around it so the enemy can't redirect it or block it. Allow that flow in your life. Allow, don't be concerned when the battle comes there at the fuller's field and God allows all these things to happen in your life. He's purifying you. He's making you whole. He's doing a work in your life. He's beautifying you for his kingdom and for the glory that awaits. And God will give you the victory. 
And as we finish today, I want to do two things. I want to pray for us as believers that we would have the victory, but I want to make a challenge to those of you in here right now, maybe you don't know the Lord. Listen, God defends the believer. He fights for the believer. He delivers us from our battles. If you don't know the Lord, you don't have that support. You don't have that help. You don't have the God of the universe fighting for you. What are you facing this morning? A life that's falling apart, maybe a life that's doing well, but emptiness in your heart. I don't know what you're facing this morning if you don't know the Lord, but you don't have the help of God. It's his children that he rescues. And until you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross and spilled his blood for you on that cross and you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you're not a part of the family. But here's the invitation. You are welcome to be a part of the family. God wants you to be a part of the family. He wants you to belong. He wants you to be in the kingdom of God forever. And see, that's the greatest reward, the kingdom of God forever. But he also wants to help you in your battles and to give you victory in those battles and to see your life changed and those around you being changed as well by what he does in your life. And so I'm going to pray not only for us as believers, but I'm going to give an opportunity for those of you in here this morning that don't yet know the Lord to receive him as Lord and Savior. And if you for the first time have had your eyes opened and your heart softened to the things of God and you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you to God, you need to respond to that. That's the Lord calling you in and he's saying, I want you to be mine. I want you to be one of my beautiful little sheep and I'm going to do an amazing work in your life if you'll just believe in me. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, God, for your word and speaking to us as believers this morning in spiritual warfare, fighting the battle, Lord. And thank you for the things you've shown us, God, even in Hezekiah's life, about how we can do that. I pray for all the believers in here right now, here this morning, that are maybe in the midst of a battle, Lord, and they're wondering, God, where are you? God, remind them, you're where you've always been, right there with them. You're simply purifying and cleansing and making more ready for the kingdom and for the warfare that lies ahead. And so, Lord, strengthen. Encourage those that are in the midst of the battle. Encourage those here this morning that are going into the battle. And encourage those of us, God, to stay prepared for the battle for when it comes so that we'll be ready. But, God, as we finish this morning, I know there are some in here that don't know you. They've never given their life to you. But you have drawn them in by your spirit this morning, God. You've put your call out there to their heart. And for the first time, they're hearing that call. Their heart is open. They're sensitive to it. And if that's you this morning, I pray that you would respond. The Bible says Jesus died for you on the cross and rose again three days later. And if you simply believe that and believe he died for you on that cross and receive him as Lord, you will be saved. You'll be born again. You'll be a part of the kingdom. And you will have the divine protection of God Almighty in your life rescued forever from this world, prepared for the kingdom to come that is eternal in the heavens. So if, that, if that's you this morning, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I believe it's important to make a gesture, to, to say, yes, I'm going to do that. And so what I want to ask you to do before we pray, if you want to give your life to the Lord this morning, I want you to lift your hand up high. It's kind of dark, so I want you to lift it up high so I can see, and I'm going to pray with you. This is not so we know how many did. This is so I can pray with you, and you can acknowledge that you're giving your life to the Lord. If you want to give your life to Jesus, lift up your hand right now. Lift it up high so I can see it. God's drawing you in. Thank you, Lord. Raise it up. 
Don't resist the move of the Spirit this morning if God's calling you in. You know, my hope is that everyone in this room knows the Lord this morning. It's my desire. But if you don't, don't be afraid. One more moment. Raise your hand. Let me see your hand if you want to give your life to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Raise it high. It's kind of dark. It's hard for me to see, so I want to be able to acknowledge you. Praise the Lord. Listen, this is for you. It's not for me. This is for you. I, there's something about raising your hand or standing up or coming forward. What it does is it lets you release that faith. And you're saying publicly, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. Before we stop, I want to see if there's anybody else, anyone else that wants to receive the Lord. Raise your hand. I apologize if I can't see you, but raise your hand up high. All right, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for those this morning who gave their life to you, committed their life to you. And thank you, Lord, for bringing them into the kingdom. And if this is you this morning and you raise your hand, or maybe you want to give your life to the Lord about now and you didn't raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died for my sin on that cross. Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I give my life to you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you, Lord, for rescuing me. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.